Welcome to the Health and Wealth Power Hour, the podcast that provides you with the knowledge and insights you need to achieve physical, mental, and financial well-being. I'm your host, Arlen Pickett, a business consultant who's passionate about helping people achieve a more balanced and healthier life. Each week, we'll deep dive into topics related to health and wealth, including retirement income planning, innovative healthcare solutions, alternative funded health plans, and specific actions individuals and business owners can take to gain control of their finances, have access to affordable quality health care, and achieve peace of mind. We'll also be joined by innovative experts who will share their knowledge and insights on prevalent topics. So, whether you're looking to grow your wealth or improve your health, you've come to the right place. Get ready to be informed, inspired, and empowered. Let's get started. And welcome to the Health and Wealth Power Hour. I am your host, Harlan Pickett. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join with us. Hope that you enjoy listening to what we talk about each week and you are able to really get on board with the changes that need to be made in this country to make our healthcare system better, more accessible, and really administrated a whole lot better. Uh, I was talking to someone the other day that really agreed with me 100% that said, you know what, there is there is not an overall problem with our health care. The biggest problem is the administration of our health care system. And I really think that that was uh, right, right on the mark because overall, we have good health care in the United States, but accessing that and then the overall administration of it has really failed uh, most of America, as the stu- the, this re- most recent study has said, that about 70% of Americans say that the healthcare system has failed them. That's a recent survey from American Academy of Physician Associates. And the reason why a lot of people feel this way, I, I think, doesn't surprise a lot of us that are in this industry. Uh, huge wait times for people to be able to see a doctor. Uh, almost 50% of the people surveyed said that the doctor don't even listen to them and they feel like he's just not paying attention to what their concerns are. I mean, that's that's a terrible, terrible situation. You're the person that is going to help me get better or not, right? Uh, but you're, you're not even listening to what my concerns are. No wonder people are unhappy with the healthcare system. It is, it's really a situation where you're going to have overall dissatisfaction if, if you don't feel like someone's doing something as simple as listening to you. Uh, a lot of folks have skipped visits. Uh, you know, there's been numbers on this for years, but it's a 54% of those surveyed had skipped or delayed uh, care in the last two years with 40% of them saying it was due to cost. Not surprising. We all know the, the cost of health care is soaring. It is absolutely out of control. Well, it's hitting people more and more. And we talk about one of the crazy things that happens when you finally get that appointment. You know, you wait weeks at some points to get that, that appointment. And you get in there and then you have no time with the doctor or the entire time the doctor's with you they seem like they are extremely rushed in fact two-thirds of the folks that uh, were surveyed say that they feel that the 
doctor or the healthcare provider that saw them appeared to be rushed during their time with them. That doesn't make you feel very confident that you're getting uh, their full attention. They're, they're rushed. They're not listening to me. Wow. Wow. That is simply irresponsible for those physicians or those healthcare workers because the last thing you want your patient to feel is unimportant. And we know that a lot of this has to do with the influence of what the insurance companies have pushed these folks to do, the, the codes that you have to do, the, the procedures that you have to follow if you ever have any hope of getting paid, because that's what it really comes down to. Uh, they have to follow exactly what the rules are set. They have to have exactly the right codes. They can only talk to you about so many things, uh, because otherwise... They have no hope of getting paid whatsoever. And they're already they're already rushed. They're already feeling burnout. We see this over and over with physicians right now. And it's, it's going both ways now, right? The patients are seeing it. They're seeing it's not, it's not patient-centered care. And so this is a huge, huge issue. Uh, one of the stats that I thought was a, a big... I think plus, and I'm going to say it's a plus because people are seeing that there's a potential light at the end of the tunnel. They just don't know what that light is yet. But two thirds of adults believe that their health would improve if they worked regularly with a healthcare provider they trusted. So think about that for a second. Two thirds say their health would improve. Hmm. DPC, anyone? Direct primary care is the exact answer to the desires of these folks right here. The, the folks that they were talking to, those two-thirds say, man, I could feel healthy or I would be healthier if I just had a relationship with a doctor. And that's exactly what direct primary care is designed to do. So I think that there are some answers out there. It's just getting those answers to the people that are facing this problem. You're, you're not, if, if you were doing a, a survey of individuals that were going through direct primary care doctors and having some good nurse line steerage and some medical management and some bundled cash rates with, with different surgery centers, that have great outcomes and uh, high efficiency. They're also quality doctors with great, with, you know, with great outcomes and not a lot of readmittances. They're not going to, these numbers are not going to be 70% are dissatisfied. You're going to have a very, very low, if any, that are dissatisfied. I mean, you're always going to have some, right? Because you just can't please everybody. It doesn't make any difference what you do. But if you really look at, the options and the solutions that are out there. That is what it's going to take to turn this thing around. We're going to talk about a lot of these issues, a lot of these problems that are, that, that are coming to light. I mean, people really believe that healthcare sucks. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the reasons why they think it sucks and what the answers are for us to turn this thing around. Uh, we're going to talk about that on an upcoming audio room on June 20th. 
LinkedIn audio room. We invite you to come out to that June 20th, 11 a.m. Central Time. Uh, you can go and find me on LinkedIn and go to my events and go ahead and register for that. Uh, you also can go out to insurancebrokersuccess.com and find it there. Uh, we're going to invite folks to come up on stage, give your opinion on what's going on and what some of the solutions are. So we'd love for you to join us on that broadcast coming up here in just a couple of weeks. Well, we talked a little bit last week about socialized medicine. Uh, every year, uh, Bernie Sanders puts out his new idea for what socialized medicine would look like. There's a bill, it seems like, introduced every single year and ha has been for quite a while. But be when you look at the numbers, when you look at this 70% of people overall, they're dissatisfied with the American healthcare system and believe that it's failed them. When you look at that, you realize that we're getting more and more. We're getting closer and closer. We're getting more and more down that road towards socialized medicine because people are getting ready to throw their hands up and say, well, you know what? Obviously, private industry can't fix it. Insurance companies aren't fixing it. Let's just let the government fix it. Well, hmm. We know for a fact that the government typically doesn't <coughs> fix things. They change things, but they don't necessarily fix things. But if you would like to have a sneak peek at what socialized medicine or what government-controlled medicine in this country would look like, it's pretty easy to do. You can look at our current Veterans Hospital System, the VA, you can look and see how it is administered and the type of care overall that our veterans get, the loopholes that prevent the government from being held accountable whenever they do not provide the correct services or correct diagnosis. And if you look at those things and hear some of the stories that have gone on there, your view of having the government run our healthcare system may change dramatically. Today's two guests are a couple of gentlemen that I was blessed to interview back in February of 2023, uh, whenever I was still doing my live radio show out of Houston, Texas. Both of these gentlemen are veterans. Both of them have had various different issues that were uh, affected due to their service for this great country and then their experience with the Veterans Administration. So I hope you enjoy what their stories are as far as content of what it can mean to our future and what it can mean to us if we allow ourselves to go down the path of socialized medicine, because it is, it's not pretty. It's not something I think any of us would, would wish on our worst enemy, but it is very, uh, it's it, both of them have o overcame huge adversity in their lives. And I think that it is a great understanding for us to know that if you, don't have a place 
that you can trust to turn to, then things can be much, much worse before they ever have an opportunity to get better if they ever can get better. So you guys are in for a real treat. Uh, we got Curtis Ray Brown. He is the author of the book titled God is Bigger, His Amazing Rescue from Abuse, Addiction, PTSD, Divorce, and Despair. And we also have Brian Talley, who is a former sergeant in the U.S. Marine Corps. Uh, both of these guys have incredible stories. Uh, Brian Talley uh, worked diligently to make huge changes to the VA and uh, actually had a bill named after him called the Talley Bill uh, because a loophole, a loophole law that was uh, been on the books for 70 plus years needed to be changed in the VA so that people could actually get the care that they need. And he was very diligent in what he did. And you guys are going to uh, really enjoy hearing his story. So welcome to the VA reality show, <laughs> as it were. Hope you guys enjoy it and we'll catch you next time. Hey, we are truly honored to have Curtis Brown with us today. Curtis is a military veteran. He had a distinguished career, but he left the military with PTSD and also had some injuries, including uh, severe neck and spinal injuries and chemical damage. Uh, he had to battle the VA about the existence of those, and that is not all, but he is a living witness to the truth that God can rescue anyone. Curtis, welcome aboard, buddy. Good to be here. Good afternoon, everybody. So, Curtis, I love what you have written. Um, I, I got on and read some about you. Uh, anytime someone goes through such traumatic situations and takes ownership of the fact that they were to blame for many of them, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I do. I appreciate that because, hey, I, I know most of the problems that are that happen in my life are self-generated. <laughs> yeah, it, it, choice is a key factor in a lot of things, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And that's one of the things I read on there. You said he made endless poor choices. <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> he, he sounds hey, like my kind of guy. <laughs> it, it's sad that I'll probably make it, uh, endless more, but, but for the grace of God. Exactly. Exactly, but for the grace of God, which goes right back then to your book, which uh, you are the author of the of the book God is Bigger, and so you you obviously named that book because of all the things you went through. It was God that saved you from those and gave you hope and gave you an opportunity to to have a real life without addiction and pain, but you had to get there first. So, tell us about that. Tell us about your journey. Well, you know, I had to get there first. That's correct, and that and that started with recognizing the choices that that got me to the place I was at. And I learned that uh, a key factor is is addiction. You got to you've got to be able to distinguish: is this a physical pain or is it addiction pain? And so I I had to uh, break that down to find out. And I went to a rehab. I was in there three days, and I came out of there, and I was free of addiction. Uh, it's kind of ironic because that was Palm Weekend. So, huh. <laughs> and after almost 20 years of the, the VA pumping me full of pain meds and, and psychotropic meds, 
I, I started going a different route and started the, the uh, more of a natural route. Um, I've had uh, two years ago, I had, uh, had to have another surgery on my neck. Uh, I had compression on my, on my uh, brain stem and fluid on my brain stem. They had to cut half an inch of titanium out to get to my brain stem to release the pressure. Uh, they didn't think I was going to walk out of there. I had to learn to do everything again. Wow. And I'm still recovering from that. Um, where there is going to be another book coming out that will be more extensive than the God is bigger. It's, uh, it's going to be, um, the whole story. Uh, God just put on my heart to write, you know, more in depth and, and bring it all the way up to the present, of of this journey. And it just, um, I've learned, you know, the key factor number one is, is, uh, you, you've got to, you've got to learn to take care of this body. You only get one. And, you know, we're not like a lizard. We cut the, you cut the tail off of a lizard, you know, it can grow it back. Uh, right. we, we can't do that. Right. We, um, we've got to be able to, uh, identify physically, uh, what, what we're, uh, the element is. And unfortunately, uh, I was, I wasn't even told that I had fractured my neck in two places or fractured my spine in three places by the VA. They hid it for years. I had it. It was an outside doctor that, that found it. And, I was going paralyzed and the VA just medicated me more. And then they did three surgeries on me and, uh, unfortunately put the wrong hardware in all three times <laughs> and placed it in the wrong places and shattered wow. more vertebrae. Wow. So, uh, I don't have faith in a, a, uh, a healthcare system that's government ran. I, yeah. I just put, I, I just keep it simple. Right. Right. Uh, and I understand. And, you know, I, I more or less talk about that in in my side of the world, which of course is the health insurance, uh, health coverage type side. Whether that's an insurance plan, uh, we work with health shares and other things too. But the the bottom line is, is if if and when the government gets involved, things usually go haywire. I mean, look at Obamacare and look what has happened to the cost of insurance exactly. since um, Obamacare it, came it, along. It's been in, in, yeah, it's, it's nice. You look, you look at our military, you know, we used to have a really good, strong military. Um, but the more the government gets involved in the military system, uh, we don't have, uh, for instance, I was talking to a commander I, I work a lot with active duty now. And um, I was called to speak at 82nd. Uh, last year after the Afghanistan debacle yeah. and they had me come up there to speak with them because a lot of the soldiers were struggling there at Fort Bragg and and I've talked to commanders at Fort Hood and uh, numerous commanders around the country and and they say uh, and this is what you'll find interesting is they'll, they'll tell me they say you know we're not having as much problem with uh, PTSD or, you know, the suicide issues or the drug addiction issues with so much as we were with people returning from Afghanistan and Iraq as we are with our youth. And I said, I find that interesting. And he goes, well, I'm just going to, one of the commanders says, I'll put it like this. He goes, unfortunately, our youth are not prepared because they've never dealt with, they've never had structure in their lives to begin with, and they don't understand the authority. Right. Well, you know, that, that's the same thing we run into with uh, uh, the, the medical side, too. Um, when there's no accountability, how, how in the world are you going to understand authority? 
And this the, the VA system, there's no accountability. I fought them for 20 years just to, I wasn't going to get any more. You know, I, I was already fully medically retired, but I wanted them to be accountable. Right. That's all I wanted, them to admit what they had done. Well, and- two years ago, they finally admitted it, that they fully, it was literally, they admitted fully to mal- malpractice in numerous, numerous cases with me. Do you think I got a dime for that? No. The only reason I'm here is because I had outside insurance and I was able to get the proper health care. Do you think that them finally admitting to it, uh, you know, just it, it's one of those things where, ironically, um, the gentleman that's going to be on right after you is Brian Talley. Yeah, Brian's a really close friend of mine. And so do you think you finding out about that had anything to do with the, with the Brian Talley VA <laughs> Transparency Act? Well, you know, and that's something Brian and I talked about. And the thing is, is here's what in you would think they'd be accountable and even reimburse me for what I had to spend out of my own pocket. Right. That's what all I asked for. For all the medical care, which was two point seven two million was the total medical care. Wow. John Snyder's a good friend of mine. He calls me the bionic soldier. And uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, and I said, he, go, he goes, you think you could outrun the $6 million man? And I said, no, because they cut me short. They only spent 2.72 on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, only, you're almost half as fast as him. <laughs> That's right. I'm only half as fast. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so, but, you know, and, and, and Brian and I talked about that. But, unfortunately, because of statutes of limitations, yeah. Uh, yeah. They um, like those, don't you know, they? You know, <laughs> didn't they kind of, you know, they, they drug their feet for a reason. Right. Right. Because they didn't want me to have the, they wanted the laws on their side. And unfortunately, they have most laws on their side because they create their own laws. <laughs> and, and another thing you'll find interesting is that uh, Louis Gomert's one of my very, very close friends. And Louis had told me the first time I talked to him about this, and he fought the VA for me for years alongside me and he uh he he goes curtis here's the sad part i can sit there and send them letter after letter after letter but i can't make them do anything right he said they're basically their own own government ran system by themselves and, and i think that we see that every time anyone including congress has to do anything there um in most cases they're just beating their head up against the wall exactly that's exactly right. And then you get, you know, and I've seen, and uh, I've got really good friends within uh, Memorial Hermann Healthcare System, Dr. Kara Thompson. He was on my board for a while, and uh, he's a chief of staff uh, out of Sugarland um, uh, Surgical Center for Memorial Hermann. And uh, he, um, you know, he knew, he's known of numerous people, too, that worked for the VA system to begin with, good, good doctors but got out of there because they were literally retarded from being able to do what they were called to do. Yeah. And yeah. so they said, no, I'm not going to stay here. And that's why they lose their, their, a lot of their, their good, the good work, good doctors and good nurses and stuff. It's because when you got people that are living the life of conviction, they say, Hey, I can't stick this out. I mean, I, this is, I can't even do what I'm called to do to, to really help these, these soldiers. Right. I mean, you, you look uh, you look even at your situation uh, where they uh, I mean, there there had to be doctors involved in this cover up. Right. There had to be. Oh, yeah. Numerous. Because, 
they it's knew amazing. what was going it's on. An, it, it, it's, <laughs> numerous, it's, it's amazing how, how that works, too. I mean, doctors will cover doctors, will cover doctors, will cover, and they don't care if they know them or not. And and a lot of that is because of just to my, uh, the wisdom I gained through fighting the system is uh, that they're covering them because of the cost of uh, malpractice insurance. Yeah. Because they know if somebody yeah. gets in trouble and their malpractice insurance is hit, doesn't matter if it's they're involved in the case or not, that it's going to affect their malpractice insurance. Right. Cost. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is uh, absolutely insane. Uh, but And I did see 19 surgeries. Wow. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's up to 24 now since then. <laughs> yeah. You need, you need to update your, uh, update your bio, yeah, well, buddy. Well, I'm actually rewriting. Like I said, I'm rewriting it. It'll, it'll come out in the, around summertime. Uh, it's going to be a lot more... Uh, have a lot more punch to it um i've had some people talk to me about uh, when the rewrite comes out about being a movie and so yeah we're excited uh it takes uh you know you got to rehash all this stuff out when you write it right well where uh, where can people find out more about you i see you're also a radio show host where's that show at well, it was also a KKHT uh, 100.7 in Houston, but now I've, I've moved to Corpus, and I'm with uh, I'm the, the the founder of uh, Frontline Forces Foundation. You go to frontlineforces.com. Um, we are actually right now revamping our web page because we're we're going to be working focusing on active duty as well as um, as as veterans as well. Okay. So. Okay. Um, what I found out when I when I was there and where God really just touched my heart speaking to eighty second was uh reminded me about being in the war and unfortunately we are a reactive rather than a proactive military and we're the, we're that way a lot of ways in the government and everything throughout our right. country. Right, right. Um and it just reminded me why am I just working with veterans? Um when the earlier we address the injury, the better chance we have a full recovery. And these guys, these injuries are happening. Why do we have a huge veterans issue? Because the injuries weren't addressed when they were active duty, when it first happened. When you're on the battlefield, you don't say, oh, dude, I'm sorry you got shot. We'll deal with you when we get back to the States. Yeah. Wow. Hey, I really appreciate quick. Yeah, I really appreciate you being on. Uh, it is time for a break. When we come back, we're going to get Brian on here to hear about his story, too. Uh, Curtis, I look forward to maybe having you on again in the future, especially when your other book comes out. Love to have you back on and maybe get you on for a full show to talk about your entire story and promote your book too, buddy. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Tell Brian hi and an amazing man that I really look up to. All right. Take care, buddy. And, uh, hey, have a blessed day. Time for a break. Harlan Pickett, be right back. And we are back. Harlan Pickett Health and Wealth Power Hour. Thank you for being with us today. Sure hope that you guys enjoy listening to the journey of Mr. Curtis Brown and his battle against the VA and the injustice that they brought to him. Speaking of injustice, wow, our next guest took on that same VA. Not only that, but there was a loophole that was fixed by a bill that he fought for for six years, and he was really dealing with a situation in his own life that left him in a uh, physically in such a poor situation. It is amazing he could even truly survive this battle. But he made a huge impact uh, on veterans at the time, veterans from the past, and veterans in the future. 
Welcome to the show, Mr. Brian Talley. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. Hey, it was uh, great to meet you a few months ago uh, out at the uh, Fulshire Katy Chamber of Commerce uh, monthly meeting. That is uh, actually, we got to meet in person there. I don't uh, You probably don't remember me, but that's okay. <laughs> I do remember you speaking and talking about your journey. Uh, so, you know, I know that you know Curtis. He says he really looks up to you and he appreciates all the great work that you've done. But tell everyone your story because I think there is definitely some parallels to what he has suffered, to what you suffered, but you were actually able to take some action. Sure. You know, you know, it's about a six-year story that I could try to sum up here in about 10 minutes for your show and for time. <laughs> uh, but, you know, essentially what happened back in January 2016, or like state prior, December 2015, look, I'm living the American dream, been married over 20 years, served my country honorably, a contributor to society and four beautiful kids, community leader, coach, um, and, and then one day in January of 2016, I couldn't get out of bed. Um, this led to months and months and months of delayed and denied care as I was laying in an incapacitated state as my wife did everything she could to try to get me the emergency medical help I needed from the VA. Uh, the VA told her I was fine, uh, that I had a low back sprain, which was strange because I didn't have any sort of trauma. Uh, they injected me with high-end op- opioids to include, you know, uh, Dilaudid and Methacarbamol and Kinalog, and j- they just sent me home with bags and bags and bags of pills. Four months down the road, um, I am opened up by a private surgeon in downtown San Diego, Scripps Memorial Hospital, and uh, the doctors uh, found a surprise as I lay open on the operating table that I had a um, uh, bone-eating staph infection that was aggressively eating me alive for over four months and that was eating my spine, spinal bone, disc, tissue, bladder, uh, part of the kidney, you name it. The the damage was done. Uh, the, the surgeon was appalled at what he saw. He called in uh, infectious disease, and infectious disease, uh, you know, like I said, began to cut out that bone and everything that was infected in there. You know, this typically doesn't happen in a uh, first-world country uh, because this pain is unlike anything you could ever imagine. Being eaten alive from the inside out is uh, something that uh, you can't imagine. You can't put words to it. And and the amount of permanent injuries and damage it did to me, I'm very lucky to be alive. The infectious disease doctor said I should have died within about 10 days and that the infection should have went septic and shut down my my organs completely, and, and, and then, um, you know, essentially uh, would have had a family uh, with four kids and a loving wife of over 20 years uh, without their father and leader. Wow. And so you had this infection. Well, where did that come from? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. The infectious disease doctor said, like, he thinks I picked something up overseas and that it uh, was ingested somehow and it attached to my spine and laid in a dormant stage until one day it decided to wake up and when it woke up it woke up very aggressively and as it woke up it it, again it began to do a slew of damage all the way up and down my spine that you know has led me to have uh, several surgeries um and, and and i'll continue to have them for the rest of my life wow Wow, that that is that is it's it's 
one of those things that no one could predict, right? It wasn't because, because typically you hear of those type of infections after someone's had a surgery, right? It was, they, they get something like that after they've had something and they catch it at the hospital, I guess you can say. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we hear those stories. But in this case, it wasn't some type of, you know, bad situation at a hospital. This was the VA, in this case, the malpractice of them, was saying that there was nothing wrong with you, refusing to treat you. Correct. Yeah, well, you know, they didn't refuse to treat me. They treated me. They just uh, wouldn't. They refused to give us a blood test. They refused yeah. to give me any diagnostic testing. But they did not refuse to give me injections, high-end opioids, and bags of pills. And really, that's where the problem lied. Right. You, you know, it you know was the lack of you know, uh, you know, empathy and, and, and actually trying to give me the emergency medical attention that I needed. I mean, I couldn't walk. I was in a wheelchair. I had a panic attack on the ER floor a couple of times when I was in there. I was in so much pain. And, you know, I posed every red flag that there absolutely was that should have, um, you know, given me that, you know, that emergency medical care that my, um, you know, that I warranted, if you will. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, not knowing that particular part of your story or not remembering that particular part of your story about mm -hmm. them treating you in that way, one of the things that I had mentioned earlier in the show, uh, even before uh, Curtis came on, is that we, we seem to be in this system, in our healthcare system right now, of just working on the symptoms, just treating the symptoms, not actually looking for the cure of whatever's happening. But a lot of that, as I have really investigated this, a lot of this is not because of any other reason except for misdiagnosis in many cases. And in this case, that's what they did is they misdiagnosed, but they didn't do anything to actually get a diagnosis. They just determined it on its, on its own because, you know, there you are uh, laying kind of Ill, Ill, immobile and, well, it looks like you probably strained his back. So that's what they treated you for. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right. Treating the symptoms and not the cause of the problem. And, uh, you know, this would end up being one of the uh, most egregious uh, VA medical malpractice and gross negligence cases, um, you, you know, in our country's recent history, unfortunately, you know. Um, but uh, from there... Um, you know, we went on to file a federal tour claim uh, because of the loss, you know, the, the loss of my personal, you know, you know, my physical, my emotional, my mental health, my business. I uh, wasn't working anymore. I was uh, limited to a chair. Um, you know, the pain and suffering was real. Uh, the VA came out publicly as my uh, story went, na uh, went national and they um, pretty much accepted uh, full responsibility, and they were very sorry and sympathetic um, about what happened. They stated that they were going to be settling my claim. At the six-month mark, the Office of General Counsel calls me, and they told me that they were going to be settling the claim. And then at the one-year mark, they write me a letter stating that they denied it based on a technicality in a <laughs> loophole in the system uh, that was established back in 1946 that states that if you are a non-U.S. government employee and you are working within the halls and the walls of a VA hospital, the U.S. government is not responsible for the acts that you commit 
while hurting another veteran due to negligence and malpractice. <laughs> Isn't that convenient? Oh, it's nuts. Yeah, you can't make you. Yeah, you can't make this stuff up. And the sad thing here is that the majority of the doctors and clinicians that are working within the VA hospitals are all independent contractors as they're getting fed in from the local communities, uh, colleges and universities and programs and residents. But they have VA doctor's coats, VA badges, VA business cards. They have everything that would state that they are a VA employee. I I never knew before this even happened that there was ever such thing as an independent contractor uh, working in a VA. I figured that if you're in a VA hospital, you're a VA doctor. Yeah. But that's just not the case here. Right, and it's it's very interesting because that is a very common thing in the government now. Uh, they have really, over the years, they have switched to more and more contractors for the same reason others uh, businesses have is because, of course, it lowers the burden of having to pay for benefits. Uh, they also kind of get to test the waters, and sometimes they even have time periods where you have to be a contractor before you can even become a regular employee. Uh, that's something that the government has instilled too. So that's interesting, but I would I would guess that um, that this once this you got this letter, and then you realized there was a problem. This really this really at that point in time started your journey to fix this loophole. Yeah, once the medical malpractice happened to me, I, I was ninety nine percent done. I didn't really have anything left to give. I was so hurt and in so much pain. The physical pain still was just mounting. Uh, and, and then on top of this, uh, we got the legal malpractice, and that was the kill shot. Uh, that was the kill shot that, uh, that, that put me on my knees, and it kept me there for years until I finally had a coming-to-Jesus meeting with myself and said, you know what, my children are watching me. I need to be the leader that I once was and stand up and to begin to get 1% better than I was the day before, and, and and I kept that same mentality. And when this all happened, I went to my congressman. Two weeks later, my congressman was indicted on federal charges for screwing up in Congress, and he was forced out. So therefore, I now live in the only uh, uh, district, congressional district in the United States of America that did not have a sitting member of Congress while I was battling the muddy and very dangerous waters of Washington, D.C., without zero representation. And and so I had to take it upon myself to become an honorary member of Congress, draft my own bill, and I hand-delivered it to the very steps of the Capitol building where our laws are made. I walked those halls of Congress going door-to-door, urging lawmakers to change this outdated law that has destroyed the lives of veterans and their families for generations. And three and a half years of consistent um, and um, uh, um, lobbying, I had to teach myself how to effectively communicate with members of Congress and how to have meetings and to be influential. Um, uh, You know, I I had four bills uh, that I um, drafted that were all introduced in Congress. And then um, on January 6th, 2021, one of the final acts of President Trump signed my bill into law that closed this loophole. But it's a very, very long story. Um, you know, I'm just kind of giving you the quick elevator yeah. pitch right now. But, you know, we made history, um, you know, when we changed this law, um, you know, that now gives veterans a do-right process um, after, uh, you know, due process rights. 
after they have fallen victim uh, due to no fault of their own. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, folks, if you want to hear more of Brian's story, you can go out to briantally.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-T-A-L-L-Y.com. Uh, you can read more about him. You can actually order his book. Uh, Brian's also a motivational and public speaker, and so you can actually request to have him come out and tell his story. Uh, it's unlike any other story that you're likely to hear from any other motivational speaker. Uh, the way that he overcame all of these things, his his resilience, his perseverance in looking at these, and especially when you consider the shape he was in at the time whenever he had to get truly pick himself up off the floor, like literally pick himself up off the floor to make this thing happen. So you are certainly, mm-hmm. uh, it's very encouraging, and it is uh, it really an honor to speak with you, sir, and we wish you all the best in the future. I sincerely appreciate you having me, sir. All right. Hey, you have a blessed one, Brian. Thank you. Harlan Pickett, Health and Wealth Power Hour. We'll be right back. And we are back. Harlan Pickett, Health and Wealth Power Hour. Wow, what some powerful stories from Curtis Brown and Brian Talley as they have taken on the government, and that is never an easy task. Uh, I'm telling you, folks, you should learn more about them. Brian's story is absolutely incredible. Uh, I really just found out about Curtis here recently, and his battle against the VA is also extremely powerful. Now, the one thing I don't want anyone to think is that I am not a fan of the men and women that work in the healthcare industry because I truly am. There are a lot and a lot of good folks out there. There are times, however, when they are absolutely arrested by the conditions that they work in, whether that is working for a federal government system like the VA that makes them do certain things that they would not do normally or working at the behalf of big insurance companies that do not allow them to completely do their jobs and fulfill what their oath was by moving people through almost like it is a process in a factory and moving you down the conveyor belt because they got to get to the next person. Uh, But I'm a big fan of the health care industry we have here in the United States. We still have the best place to get health care in the world. We've just got to fix the accessibility, and we've got to fix the places where we are not getting the quality 